Thank you, Pastor Ryan. If you have your worship guide, go ahead and pull that out. You should have gotten one of these on your way in. And if you didn't get one yet, go ahead and raise your hand and we'll have an usher get you one. This is how we follow along in the study through God's Word. And so we're continuing our study today in 1 Corinthians chapter number 10. 1 Corinthians chapter number 10. Let me see if my mic's on, guys. It might not be on. Yeah, my wireless is on, so should be good to go. Well, good morning. Looks like we've had some more folks join us. We're so glad that you're here. If you're a guest, let me just say this. If you're a guest, thank you so much for being here. We have a gift for you at our Next Step station right out these doors. I can see it from here on the left-hand side of the hallway, just outside of a room we call the bridge where the coffee and donuts are. And so please stop by there if you're a guest. We have a gift for you that we would love for you to take home with you today. Thank you so much for worshiping with us. And if you're a member or a regular tender, it's good to see you every week. I like seeing you. I'm glad you're here. And so I'm glad that we can worship together today. Well, let's open God's Word to 1 Corinthians chapter number 10. 1 Corinthians chapter number 10 is where we're at. And we're only looking at one verse today. So this is going to be a short sermon. Anyway, uh, you're like, yeah, right, Pastor. We've heard that before. Yeah. I got to wake y'all up. Anyway. <laughs> Last week, we started really a mini-series within our larger series on 1 Corinthians, and I kind of chuckled at this uh, title slide this morning. Do you see that? The uh, theme of this study through 1 Corinthians is good news for bad Christians. Do you see that small text? You probably can't see it too well. It says, Spring Sermon Series. How many of you know it's no longer spring? Raise your hand. Yeah. How many of you are looking forward to fall? Raise your hand. Yeah. It's like, come on, summer. We're ready to get done with you. We're tired of the heat and the humidity. We're tired of the steam bath. Uh, this study has really turned into a little bit longer of a series than I had planned. Thank you for sticking with it, though, because really what we love to do here at Fairview is we love to go line by line, verse by verse, chapter by chapter, and show how the Word of God in every detail applies to our life and how the gospel is the answer in every situation, some application of the gospel, some greater understanding of the gospel so that we can live out the gospel. And so that's what we have seen through this amazing book that was written to a messed up church in so many ways. And so last week we started a smaller study on the topic of temptation. Now you might say, oh pastor, this sermon is not for me then because I never struggle with temptation. I never give in. Well, then we also know that you struggle with the, with the temptation of lying as well. So welcome. Uh, we're all dealing with this issue of temptation. Last week, we looked at the bad news about temptation and the consequences that come to our life because of the fact that we give in to temptation so many times. And so we looked at how temptation, you know, uh, opportunity may knock only once, but temptation has the habit of leaning on the doorbell. How many of you can give a witness to that? It's like, why couldn't, op why couldn't opportunity, you know, lean on the doorbell? No, it's the other way around. And we, when we give into temptation, we invite ruin into our lives. Paul uh, brings out the illustration of the nation of Israel in, our, in the first 12 verses last week. Um, look, look back at verse 11 there. It says, now all these things happened unto them, 1 Corinthians 10, now all these things happened unto them for in samples, and they were written for our admonition upon whom the end of the worlds are come. And so Paul says there basically that the word of God was given to us uh, so that we could understand, not just have information, but be transformed by what we read. And so he says there that these things were written for in samples. They were written for our admonition. So don't just read God's word to get information in your head, but let it transform the heart. 
And then he says in verse 12, kind of ends our passage last week that we studied with a warning. He says, Wherefore, let him that thinketh he standeth take heed lest he fall. Now that verse would be a good verse for Alabama fans to read multiple times, right? Wherefore, let him that thinketh he standeth take heed lest he fall. Now that would preach. But anyway, no, the truth is, is we get so prideful sometimes in our own resources and abilities. And if we're not careful, just like the nation of Israel, we soon forget our dependence upon God and the fact that everything truly is derived from him. And so last week we looked at the bad news of temptation. Today we look at this topic, our triumph through temptation. And we're going to read one verse. Are you ready? Verse 13, the Bible says this, there hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful who will not suffer you to be tempted above that ye are able, but will with the temptation also make a way to escape that ye may be able to bear it. Now that, my friends, is good news when we're dealing with this issue of temptation. There's a story about a bus driver up in Chicago. The bus was bus number 22. And the bus was filled with workers heading to work that morning. It was filled with tourists who were in the town. It was filled with with shoppers who were going into town to shop at all the big stores. And so the bus was packed, and the bus came to one of its stops on the route into the city there in Chicago. And two men and a woman got on the bus. After they had paid their, their bus fare, they began to walk down the aisle of the bus to look for a seat. And the bus driver comes over the uh, speaker and says... Warning, pickpocketers just got on board. These two men and this lady had a history of pickpocketing his bus. And so he wanted everybody to know that these people had stepped onto the bus. Now, what do you think happened? As soon as that announcement goes out over the bus, everyone looked to see who just walked on the bus. Number two, the women clutched onto their purses a little bit more tightly. The men made sure of where their wallet was on their body, and they watched these three people as they walked down the aisle. Let me ask you a question. Were they successful in picking any pockets that day? Of course not. In fact, they gave up really quick and went to the house. In fact, they never even sat down. They walked straight through the bus, got off at the back door of the bus at the very next stop. And what's the whole point of that? The point is, is that once people were aware of the danger, there was more than likely, no chance for success. The goal over these couple of weeks as we've been looking at temptation is to make us more aware of the reality of the temptations that we face. And the goal in studying this verse today is to get familiar with the truths of this verse that should be a warning in a sense, spiritual pickpocketers on board, right? This is how temptation works. And this is also how we can succeed in temptation so that it doesn't have a chance in our life. And so look back at that verse one more time, verse 13, and we'll be keying in off of it with our truths that we see here. But it says, There hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful. Man, you might even just want to underline those four words there. They're so powerful. But God is faithful. I'm thankful for all the but gods in the Bible where there's bad news or there's this difficult situation, but God. How many of you have had a but God moment lately in your life? I'm looking at some right now. I'm seeing them all over the room. Um, Yeah, we've seen God work in some incredible ways where God turns the story. At one of the most difficult times, God can take it and turn it 
And I'm so thankful that the same thing happens in our temptations, that God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that you're able, but will with temptation also make a way to escape that you may be able to bear it. This morning, I want to give to you four things to write down there in your worship guide that I hope will help you in this triumph through temptation. Pastor, how can you be so positive about the fact that we are triumphing through temptation? Well, I can't wait to get to the end of the sermon. I'll try not to get there before I'm supposed to. You know how it is. If you have good news, you kind of want to get it out, but I'm going to have to withhold that until the end. So our triumph through temptation. Four surprising truths. There in your notes. Are you ready? Let's write these down together. Number one, four surprising truths about temptation. Numero uno, your circumstances aren't unique. Your circumstances aren't unique. Look back at the verse. It says, there hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. The first truth that I want us to remind ourselves about this morning, because sometimes if we're not careful, the enemy gets us over here thinking that we're all alone, thinking that we're isolated, thinking that nobody else faces the temptations and the trials and the testings that we do. And somehow we get to thinking that our circumstances are unique. But the Bible says here, ladies and gentlemen, friends, that there is no temptation taking you but such as is common to man. The good news here in this truth that we're reminded of is that others are facing the same battles. And yes, others are facing the same battles and maybe not seeing victory, but others are facing these battles and they have seen the victory that is already theirs in Christ. And there we go, triumphing through temptation. How do we do it? By realizing that in Christ we are more than conquerors through him that loved us that he is the captain of our salvation. And no matter what Jericho we might be facing, Joshua had that encounter with the captain of the Lord's host, and then the walls fail. Have you ever had a temptation that felt like a fortified city, that felt like something that just got you every single time? Then pay attention this morning because these truths are for all of us, but they're for you as well. And the first truth that God wants us to remind ourselves of, to renew our thinking about is, our circumstances are not unique. And so think about the temptations that you deal with on a regular basis, no matter what they might be. Think about those temptations right now. And now what I want you to do is turn to your neighbor and share with them all the... No, I'm just kidding. You don't have to do that right now. But, but here's the point. Isn't it sad that part of the reason we come to church is to confess our faults one to another and pray for one another, but yet we don't do that? Because we feel like, oh, if I share with somebody my temptations or my circumstances, they will, they will think less of me. They will, they will judge me. They will shun. They will ostracize me. And folks, that's not the way church is meant to be. We are, need to, we are needful of coming to this place and reminding ourselves that we are facing the same battles. Listen, if you're a man here today and you're facing the temptation of lust, you're not unique. Can I just tell you that right now? I face the same struggles you do. I face the same things. And that is so important for us to hear this morning because you're not all alone. Oh, I know that lust or I know that anger or I know that all these temptations that you might deal with, whether it's comparison, whether it's gossip, whether it's, whether it's a critical spirit, whether it's a, whether it's a materialistic mindset, thinking that all of your happiness is wrapped up in what you can get, all those temptations are common to man. They're not unique to us. So that's the first truth. And that's the basic truth. But I want us to remind ourselves this morning we're not alone, okay? You and I are not alone in this battle together. And so that's the first truth. Number two, the second truth about temptation here in this passage is, now this is an interesting one, you never have to sin 
ever. What? Look at the verse. It says, There is no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that ye are able. What that is saying to us is, we, if we are believers in Christ, now this message is primarily directed to Christians, those who have trusted Christ. If you're not a believer here, then, then this is one of the great reasons that we trust Christ because he comes to live inside of us and he is now the source. We do live from him. We live for him. We live in him. Beautiful uh, picture of the gospel there. And so this is one of the reasons you want to trust Christ because until you have him become your satisfaction, your savior. And until he's at the center of your life, no wonder we seek for satisfaction and fulfillment in all these areas. But once we know Christ, what God is saying here is, we no longer have to give in to that sin. You don't have to give in to it. And why do we not have to give in to it? I love this. It says, God is faithful. So notice, even in this truth, you never have to sin ever. The focus isn't even on you, it's on God. God is faithful. Can we just say those three words out loud together? I need to hear that from the body of Christ myself this morning. Ready? I'm going to let you say it. Ready? One, two, three. God I need to hear that one more time. Ready? One, two, three. Thank you for preaching to me this morning. I needed to hear that. He is faithful, friend. And the whole focus of this verse isn't on you doing better, trying harder. If you walk away this morning from this study and this passage saying, okay, preacher says, I got to work harder. I got to try harder. I got to do better against temptation. You've missed the whole point of the message because the whole point of the message is in those four, four words. God is faithful. This is about his character, not yours. Primarily. It's about his character living in you, working through you. It's Christ in you, the hope of glory. Look at these verses, 2 Timothy uh, uh, 2, verses 11 through 13. I love these because they present kind of a concerning thought. But then at the end, notice what it says. It says, it is a faithful saying, for if we be dead with him, we shall also live with him. You might want to write in your Bible there, Romans 6. What a beautiful chapter that explains that phrase. If we suffer, we shall also reign with him. Now, this is always a concerning part. As a kid, I was like, oh no, have, have I denied Jesus? It says, if we deny him, he will also deny us. If we believe not, yet he abideth. Oh, there's the theme. He abides faithful. He cannot deny himself. We sang a song this morning that talked about how no one can pluck us out of the Father's hand once we're in his hand. Maybe you've grown up in a religion that says that, yes, it's God's love, but you better earn his love. Yes, it's God's mercy and grace, but you better keep in his good graces. That is mixture. That is not the gospel. The gospel says he loved you unconditionally. He died for you when you were still a sinner. He loved you in that while you were yet a sinner. Christ died for you. And in believing that, resting in that, then your life begins to change. It can't help but change when Christ lives in you. And so it says here that God cannot deny himself. How faithful is God? God's holding on to you. If my hope should ever fail, if my hold should ever fail, God, your wondrous love 
will never let me go. So God is faithful. This is about God, and I've got to move on. But I just want you to see that, that in these truths on temptation, number one, your circumstances aren't unique. All of us face temptations every day of our life in this room. And so don't come to church thinking, oh, I can't be honest about where I struggle. I can't be honest about where I'm facing temptation in my life. No, you can come and you can share that with brothers and sisters and develop relationships. And so those relationships become vital as we go throughout this study here. I'm going to show you some practical truths here in just a moment to help us. So, number one, your circumstances aren't unique. Number two, you never have to sin ever. Whoa. You mean I've got a choice now? Yes, because Christ lives in in us. Of course, we know that we don't always make the right choice. And there is the battle of growing in grace and maturing in what God has already given to us. But number three, what's the third truth? Oh, I love this here in this verse. It says in verse 13, but God is faithful who will not suffer you to be tempted above the ear able, but will with the temptation also make a way to escape. Escape. There is always an escape in your temptation. Always. Now, I know sometimes it doesn't feel like there's an escape. That would be living, as the Bible defines, living essentially according to our feelings. So the reality is, is even though it might feel like there's not an escape, God says there is a way of escape, and there's always a way of escape in the midst of our temptations. Now, to illustrate this truth, that there's always an escape, always. How many of you grew up, or you still currently, play chess? Raise your hand. We got any chess players in the room? All right, a couple of nerds. I mean, a couple of intelligent people who like to play. I love to play chess, so I can call myself a nerd. We can pick on ourselves. Um, I want to show you a picture of a famous painting of a chess match. And this is from Goethe's Faust. And it's a painting of the king on the right side and the devil playing against him on the left side. And the title of this painting is Checkmate. Checkmate. And the whole point of the painting is to show that Satan or the devil has gotten the king in an inescapable checkmate position. And for years, this painting was, was hung, and it was titled Checkmate. It was, you know, there's, there's no way out until a chess master in the 1880s. This, this was painted, I think, 100 years before that. A chess master in the 1880s named Paul Malloy uh, came by the painting, and he looked at it, and he said this. He said, the king still has one move. It's not Checkmate. I know you might be here this morning and you might feel like the devil has got you backed in a corner and he has got you in a checkmate position where only he can win. But friends, this scripture here says that you are never in an inescapable position when it comes to temptation if you're a believer in Christ. There is always an escape. Always. Maybe you've heard the story, and maybe to illustrate this another way. How many of you heard the story about the old-timer who lived in one of the flood zones uh, during, during one of these hurricanes? Of course, we just had a hurricane on the East Coast. We've been praying for all those folks. But 
Maybe you heard the story of the guy who had several people come by during the hurricane and he was going to be one of the holdouts, you know, and the water kept rising. First the firemen came and said to evacuate, then the police came and said to evacuate, and he just says, no, I'm going to hold out. God's got this. He's going to take care of me. Then the water comes into the house and it's about waist high, so people in a rowboat paddle by and they say, hey, come on out, man. This water's only going higher. No, God will take care of me. Then the water gets up to the second story and people in a motorboat come by and they again try to say, hey, come on with us. No, God's got this. He's going to take care of me. Of course, you know the story. Sooner or later, he gets to the roof because that's where the only place he can still be. Helicopter comes by and he says, no, God's going to take care of me. He's going to get me out of this. And then the guy dies. And he blames God. And he says, God, I thought you got this. I thought you were going to take care of me. And he says, well, what happened with the five people I sent to try to take care of you, to try to get you out of this? So many times in our life, if we're not careful, we don't see the ways of escape. And maybe that's the prayer. Perhaps if there's one practical decision you can make today in this study is to say, God, temptation's been whooping up on me. I've been giving into it. And you say here that there is always an escape, always. So maybe this is the prayer that you need to pray today at the end of the service. God, by your grace, through the power of your spirit, I ask you to help me begin to see those ways of escape and then to take them. There's two parts there, isn't there? You can only benefit yourself of the way of escape if you take it. Have you ever been driving down a mountain and you see those pull-off gravel driveway areas? Do you know what those are for? Those are for trucks who are going down those steep grades. If their brakes give way, those are called uh, uh, run-out ramps or something. Those are ways of escape so that that truck driver doesn't face an impending death. But in order for those to benefit the truck driver, he can't just see them. He's got to turn. He's got to repent. He's got to change his mind and say, okay, I'm going to take that way of escape. See, that's the difference. And so the truths here are, number one, when we face temptation, folks, our circumstances aren't unique to only us. They're common to everybody. Number two, we don't have to sin. If we're a believer in Christ, we don't have to sin. And number three, there is always an escape. Always. The devil will never get you in a checkmate position if you're in Christ. Why? Because you've got the king of kings living in your heart, and he's going to show you the way of escape. The question is, will you take it? And then finally, we see in here in this passage, the fourth truth, beautiful truth, is this. And you might say, how is this beautiful? Anyway, just look at it, and I'll explain it. Your temptation is likely to be endured not eliminated. What? Pastor, I want to avoid temptation. Well, to a certain extent, we can help ourselves in that area, but the reality is, until we take our last breath on this earth, we are going to face temptation. Now, how is that good news? How is it good news that our temptation will likely only be endured, not eliminated? Well, notice the end of this passage. It says, But will with temptation also make a way to escape that you may be able to bear it, not avoid it, not wish it away, but bear it. Now, To illustrate this further, I want you to look at the life of Jesus. If you know the story of Jesus, uh, he was born and raised and and lived uh, up until age 30, uh, just a normal, simple life. But then at age 30, he uh, went to be baptized of John the Baptist to begin his public ministry as the the Messiah and to to preach the gospel. 
and to show people that he was the way to salvation. And right after he was baptized, he went into the wilderness for 40 days to be what? To be tempted of the devil. And we know that Jesus faced three temptations during that wilderness time where he was there. But I want you to look at the end of that whole story where he was tempted. And he successfully said no to the devil's temptations. He was successful where we were not. Amen? He was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. What a great high priest to place our hope and faith and confidence in. But notice what it says at the end of this story where the devil had tempted Jesus. And when the devil had entered all the temptation, he departed from Jesus for a season. For a season. Which indicates that throughout Jesus' life, he was facing continual attacks from the enemy. No doubt. Because he knew, the enemy knew that if he could trip up Jesus, he would ruin God's plan of salvation. And so you might ask, why is this a helpful and hopeful truth rather than a depressing or hurtful truth? It's because temptation actually can strengthen and mature us and provide endurance by God's Spirit. Look with me at James chapter 1, verses 2 and 4. It says, My brethren, count it all joy... Now, the word temptation here in this passage is a little bit of a different meaning. And the word temptation in the original language can be used as either the word temptation or the word trial. The word trial has more to do with maybe something that's not necessarily sinful. It's a circumstance. The word temptation has to do more with, okay, this is a thing that's trying to get you to commit sin. And so, but it's the same Greek word. And so you've got to read carefully the, these passages. But notice here that part of temptation and trial's goals is to make us perfect or to grow us in maturity in our faith that you may be perfect and entire wanting nothing the reason i say all this is because i think sometimes i know i've caught myself thinking this sometimes and i've heard others as i've talked to my friends about this isn't it true now catch this isn't it true that a lot of times we want a god the God that we want isn't the God that we need. And what I mean by that is we think that God's going to extricate us from every tough situation. We think that God's going to do it, and he's going to do it right now. And if he doesn't do it right now, then, you know, ah, oh, you know, God doesn't love me. God doesn't hear. No, he hears you. It's just he might have something to teach you through that temptation and trial. How many of you know that a child that is never, uh, and I'm, this is going to be a, this might create a little controversy, it's not meant to, but how many of you know that today a lot of parenting is done in such a way that they keep their kids from never facing any hardship? What do you think is going to happen to a child that has never been allowed to face difficult times with friendships, with school situations. Parents, let's, let's make sure that we're modeling God to our kids and teaching them that, hey, God doesn't always extricate us through something. He helps us to endure through it. You know, God's strength is much greater on display when you're able to walk through the valley of the shadow of death rather than just saying, God, keep me from the valley of the shadow of death. I don't want any hard times, ever, never. No, God's strength is actually more on display as you grow through that. And man, I can tell you this, I have seen that in many of your lives. With the temptations and the trials that we face, 
And so be careful that we don't conjure up this idea of, okay, I want this God who's going to help me avoid everything rather than a God who's going to help me to endure through it. And what does that do? Well, resistance, endurance builds strength. And so wouldn't it be weird if I went into the gym? How many of you go to a gym and work out? You know, why do you go to a gym and work out? To be healthy, to exercise. Wouldn't it be weird if all I did was go to the gym and sit on a weight bench and go... That'd be like really weird. You would have every reason to look at me like, okay, yeah. But what do you do when you go to the gym? You get a bar, you get weights on it, and that's hard. And you're going to tear muscle. It's going to get sore. But you go through the hard times to build endurance. And that's what God is teaching us here. He's saying that ye may be able to bear it. And so, yes, is there some kind of escape? Sure, because he just said that in the passage. But I think the idea here is that he wants us to endure through it. Yes, uh, helping us to escape from the sinful decision, but to deal with the temptation itself through the power of God. And so, these four truths right here. Your circumstances aren't unique. Listen, if you're here today and you feel overtaken in a temptation, you're not alone. Maybe you just need to hear that this morning. You're not alone. And here is a place where you can learn how to not only say no to the temptation, but say a greater yes to someone much better, as we'll talk about. And so you never have to sin ever. There's always a way of escape, always. Your temptation is likely to be endured, not eliminated. And so... What does God want for us here in this passage? He wants us to realize this, that this endurance through temptation is not just a passive thing, it's active. And so with that, I want to give to you some strategies for resisting temptation, and there are two primarily, so write these down. Number one, we're going to look at some preventative maintenance. So I was thinking about this passage saying, okay, what are some ways that we can preventatively prepare ourselves for the next round of temptation, right? Because probably right now you're not struggling with a ton of things, although Satan can attack you in, the, in a church building as well as he can attack you anywhere. But these temptations, we want to get some preventative maintenance, and then we also want to talk about some emergency procedures. So preventative maintenance. Now, we don't look forward to, to preventative maintenance in a lot of areas of our life. Number one, food and nutrition. How many of you know that if you don't take care of your body and you keep putting junk in like cotton candy blizzards from Dairy Queen, those are heavenly, but those are really not good for your blood sugar level. And please don't judge. I know, I know, I do not need to eat those. That is a temptation that I need to resist. But, but we know that if we eat enough sugar, what's going to happen? Diabetic issues, serious health issues, same way with other kinds of food. If we eat those, if we bring these things in our body. And so we go to the doctor, don't we? And the doctor says, don't eat this, don't eat this, don't eat this. Now, how many of you have an actual, actually an encouraging doctor that says not only what you can't eat, but he gives to you what you can eat, but it's not as good as what you can't eat? I understand that, but thankfully, you know, he at least gives you something positive to focus on. But the point is, is there's some preventive maintenance. And we know we don't like to do this in our health. Listen, I don't like to do this in my car. How many of you have ever been to the dealership to get your oil changed and you think it's only going to be a $50 or $60 oil change and then they come out with this legal pad of all these preventative maintenance measures like a thousand plus dollars of, of prevent because you're at a hundred thousand miles, you know, and they want you to change this belt and, and that thing and this fluid and you're like, my car's running fine. 
and then it ain't the next week, you know. And, and then, of course, you start thinking conspiracy theory. They did something to my car because I didn't do the preventative maintenance. So preventative maintenance is difficult. And, and the reason is, is because we don't think necessarily that it's a big deal. We're, we're not in the moment yet. So, so here's some preventative maintenance things that we can implement into our life as we think about temptation. You know, when it comes to preventative maintenance with a car, that might be a toss-up decision. But when it comes to spiritual temptation, preventative maintenance steps are essential. So, some of these things you've heard before if you've grown up in church, but I want to give them to you again and remind you why they're so important. Number one, memorize three to five verses on your temptation. Memorize, now, this isn't a magic bullet. It's not as if, oh, okay, I've got these scripture verses on the temptation that I deal with, and I'm just going to fire those back. No, the word has to be mixed with faith. The word has to be mixed with faith-filled obedience. But the point is this, Jesus, in his three temptations that he faced, he quoted scripture. So there must be something to it. Uh, Psalm 119, 11 says, Thy word have I hid in mine heart that I might not sin against God. So if you want to take preventative measures towards facing that temptation the next time and realizing the triumph that you already have in Christ, then memorize scriptures that will help you in that battle. Number two, Number two, pray about your specific temptation. And what I mean by that is don't just pray, okay, God, I'm, I'm beginning another day here. Help me not to do bad stuff. Well, that's a general prayer, but you know where you struggle. And so if you struggle with anger, then you need to say, God, you know that today I'm going to get on I-565. Father, you are my joy. You are my peace. Father, you are sovereign, and Lord, if I get to work an hour and a half late because of something on 565, God, it must be for a reason. So, Father, help me to trust you today. May my schedule be submissive to yours for me, and perhaps you're keeping me from something worse because you've delayed. You see? And so you pray through that, and, and what did you hear in that prayer? You heard an admission of the fact that you know where you're about to go, but then you cast your focus to the Father, and you pray and you ask Him. What does James says? He says, pray, ask the Father, and He will give to you the wisdom that you need in the moment. So preventative maintenance. Number three, talk about it with a trusted friend. And this goes back to that first truth. Hey, there's no temptation taking you, but such as is common to man. I am so thankful for the friends that I have here in church that I can share some of my temptation struggles with. I'm thankful for you. Some of you are very honest and open and transparent with me about where you're facing temptation. And you know what? That, that's good because we can then talk with one another about it. And if we have seen God give to us a measure of the victory that is already ours in Christ, then we can, we can share those things with them. We can share stories of hope and also stories that we've learned. And so talk about it with a trusted friend. Listen, if you're new to our church, we, our prayer is that you would develop some of life's greatest friendships right here in this church. And hey, if, you, if this is your first time, can I say this? We want to be your friend. We want to encourage you in your growth and grace and understanding who Jesus is, what he's done for you, and how he begins to transform every part of your life. And so talk about it with a trusted friend, a friend that's going to lead you to truth. As James 5.16 says, confess your faults one to another that ye may be healed. Temptation loses a certain allure when it's dragged into the open. And so if you're someone here today and you say, I could never talk to somebody about the temptation that I'm facing, then I guarantee you, you're not taking one of the ways of escape because one of the ways of escape 
is in getting a brother or a sister in Christ to stand with you. So talk about it with a trusted friend. Number four, another preventative maintenance step is plan your escape route. Now, this probably wouldn't work well on I-65 if you struggle with, uh, you know, traffic issues. You probably don't want to leap out of your car. Okay, that's not going to work. What am I talking about? There's a story in the Old Testament about a man named Joseph. How many of you remember Joseph? Joseph was a godly man. He, 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 he loved God, and he faced a lot of difficult trials in his life and also a lot of temptations. He served in one of the most influential uh, uh, leaders in the nation of Israel, a man by the name of Potiphar in, in the nation of Egypt. And Joseph was second in command in that home. And Potiphar's wife got eyes for Joseph. And several, on several occasions, Potiphar's wife tried to tempt Joseph, and Joseph would not give in. But one day, the temptation was so hot and heavy that you know what Joseph did? He had an escape route. Literally, he ran. You know what? Sometimes, and we're about to talk about it here within the emergency procedures, which that kind of leads us into the emergency procedures. But Joseph, in that emergency temptation moment, he fled. He fled. He fled from that temptation. But let's talk about these emergency procedures for just a moment. Emergency procedures when tempted. Number one, cry out to God. Cry out to God. It might simply be, God, help me. I'm facing this temptation, and I know that your Holy Spirit that is living within me wants me to realize that I have already overcome through Christ. Christ is living in me, and Christ went through the wilderness and said no to these, to these temptations. And so, Father, there is a part of me that is, that is, that is yearning for my soul and mind and body to catch up to the truth of the reality that there is a part of me that doesn't want to sin ever again. So, Father, help me to believe the gospel in this moment because this temptation is saying that I need this to satisfy me. But it says that you're the bread of life. You're the water of life. You satisfy completely. And so you cry out to God in that moment. Number two, this goes back to another one. You call that friend. So it's a preventative step. Get the friend. And then in the moment, call the friend. Can I just say this? If you don't have anybody to call in your moment of emergency temptation... I'm available. There's many other people in this room that would be available. They would give you their cell phone number. Now, if you call me at 3 a.m., you might have to call twice. But if you're facing something, call a friend. Guys, we're not meant to do this alone. And Satan's a roaring lion. You know what lions do? Lions attack the weak at the back of the herd and the youngest. And he, what he does is, is he gets that young gazelle or whatever prey he's hunting for. He gets them isolated. And so emergency procedures, cry out to God, but then call a friend. There are strength in numbers. A threefold cord is not quickly broken, the Bible says. So call a friend. Share with him your struggle. Share with him what's going on in that moment. And then realize that you don't have to be identified in that struggle in that moment. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. You have the victory in Christ. Number three, another great way to battle temptation. This is one of my favorite that I run to and use many times. Christian music. Music that is going to direct your attention to who God is, what he's done for you, and now who you are in Christ. So 
That's a great way. We'll come back to that one here in a little bit. Then number four, as we saw with Joseph, change locations. You know what? Sometimes we're in a moment of temptation because we find ourselves in a location that is not the best for us as believers. So you know what we got to do? Just like Joseph, God gave you two feet, use them. Literally, change locations. You know, if you're a, a man or a woman and you struggle with lustful thoughts and you struggle with, with uh, these, these temptations that come at you through all these different sources of media, the internet, devices, and you're all alone at home, guess what's going to probably happen? You're going to probably give in to that unless you immediately take the way of escape and change locations. Call a friend. Cry out to God. Focus your mind on the truth of the gospel. But all these things are great, they're good, but I think the greatest thing that we can do ever, every time and always is we can run to Christ. Run to Christ. You see, before we leave today, I don't want you to think that, okay, I'm going to go out and I'm going to fight temptation with white knuckles, really trying really hard, and that's going to be my source of saying no to temptation. You know, I've shared with you before, that's not the answer. That's not the long-term answer. That might get you one temptation, two temptations, three temptations, four. But it's not going to get you through the long-term. The message of the gospel is not, try your best and Jesus will do the rest. The message of the gospel is, Jesus did it all. Will you believe it and live in the rest and the victory that he's already secured for you through his perfect life when he said no to temptation and he said yes to the Father and then he went to the cross and he who knew no sin became sin for us that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. How do you grow in your faith to where you are saying no to temptation? It's found in not just running from temptation, but running to Christ. The song says this. Um, actually, I'll, I'll, I'll share this quote first. This is a powerful quote. We're going to spend a couple of minutes on it because I want you to get it. This preacher said, a preacher from a couple hundred years ago, Thomas Chalmers, said this. He said, our problem is that naturally our lives are guided and controlled by a love for the world. Temptation. People give in to temptation all the time. They don't give a second thought about it. So what can we do? Resolve to do better? Try to convince ourselves that the world is not really so alluring after all? He says, no, that is altogether incompetent and ineffectual. For nobody can dispossess the heart of an old affection and I love this, but by the expulsive power of a new one. We cannot choose what we love, but always love what seems desirable to us. Thus, we will only change what we love. Catch this. When something proves itself to be more desirable to us than what we already love. I will then always love sin and the world until I truly sense that Christ is better. You know what our goal is every Sunday? To basically preach a simple sermon every week that says, 
Christ is better. Jesus is enough. Look at what Jesus secured for you. Look at what Jesus did for you. And oh yeah, you know what happens? In the process of being totally captivated with what Jesus did for you and what Jesus has done for you and what Jesus is doing through you, you know what happens? You're thinking about Jesus and you find yourself literally on I-565 during a traffic jam, not mad anymore, not angry. You're like, what happened? Well, in that moment, it wasn't that you were saying, no, okay, I can't get angry, I can't get angry. Isn't it true that the moment you say, all right, count to 10, you have to count to 100. <laughs> you know, it's like it just doesn't work. But when you're focused on Christ and you truly believe that he's better or whatever sin that you're struggling with, if you're struggling with a life-dominating addiction, it's only finding the power of a greater affection, a greater addiction. And my friends, his name is Jesus, and he has done for us what we could never do for ourselves. And so, the expulsive power of a greater affection. That is what God is saying here in this passage. You know what ultimately the way of escape is? It's not a method. It's not a technique. It's not, these are great practical truths, but these practical truths I've given you will fall flat without realizing that we run to Christ because Christ is in us. He's the hope of glory. And it says here that we are able so many times we're like, God, I can't, I can't deal with it. Lord, I am in a hopeless position. This sin has beaten me up. I have done this thing over and over a thousand times. But this verse here says that you can bear it. So if God says that, then there must be a disconnect between what his truth says and where I'm at and either believing that, changing my mind and beliefs around that, and seeing that be a reality. I run to Christ when stalked by sin, and I find a sure escape. Deliver me! I cry out. See it? I cry out to him, and temptation yields to grace. So this is for a believer. Believer, do you know Christ? Believer, are you trusting Christ? Are you running to Christ in your moment of temptation? But I want you to notice the final part of this song. This is a song that I'm quoting here entitled, I Run to Christ. We're going to sing it in just a moment. But notice this. I run to Christ when plagued by shame and find my one defense. I bore God's wrath. He pleads my case, my advocate, and my friend. I said that this message today was for believers, and it is, but if you're not a believer, if you've never trusted Christ, then I want you to see these words. I'm going to ask our instrumentalist to get in place, and we're going to sing the song in just a moment. But perhaps you're here today, and you say this, God could never save me because I have given in to way too many temptations. I have messed my life up. I am a train wreck. You know what? Those are the only people God saves because we're all train wrecks. We have all sinned and come short of the glory of God. There is none that doeth good. There is none righteous, no, not one. And so the good news of the gospel is that Jesus bore the wrath that you and I deserved upon the cross. And he pleads our case. And you know what Jesus says before the Father if we place our faith in him? He says, this child is now mine. He has placed his faith in my finished work. He is 
totally forgiven. His sins are washed away because my blood is paid the sacrifice for his sin. Do you know Christ? 